I don't know about you, but I've been just excited about our church recently. I just, I just feel God is doing a lot of things in us and among us individually and as, as a church. And I'm thankful for that and just praying that we can continue to be um, what God has called us to be. I'm excited to see uh, people being passionate about the Lord, people wanting to uh, live out their faith. And I pray that that's as a result of this book of James, because what is James all about? We've talked about this uh, week in and week out. What is James about? It's about faith. That works. We need to have a faith that not only resides inside of us, but also is lived on the outside of us. Uh, James is all about wholeness, being the same inside and outside, that our actions would meet our words and our beliefs. That's what James is all about. And hopefully if you were at our winter Bible study this last uh, Sunday, Monday and Tuesday, you saw how the Sermon on the Mount really lines up a lot with James. Uh, James is very uh, inspired by that book, by the sermon on the, or by that passage of, that Jesus taught, that Sermon on the Mount, because it's all about wholeness. As we continue on today in our, in our sermon, we're going to see um, um, something in our sermon or something in, in the passage of James in chapter 2 that just doesn't mix. How many of you guys have ever done uh, the science experiment where you take water, some oil, you put it into a canister or a glass jar, and then um, you take some water, you can take a, another cup of water, put some drops of uh, food coloring in that and change it to a color like red or blue or green, and then you mix that colored water with that jar of oil, put it in the same container, you've basically created yourself a little lava lamp. Why is that? Because you close the cap on that and you shake it up and all that water will not mix with that oil. So you've got these little droplets of water floating around in that, that cup of oil. It's really cool. My kids have done that little science experiment before. And what's really great is, uh, what makes it cool and, and it keeps going is you can shake that thing as hard as you want. You can try to mix those two things, that oil and that water, but they'll never mix, which means you have an endless time of fun with that science experiment until... What? When you try to mix it too hard and the cap comes off of that thing and you start slinging oil and water everywhere. Sometimes if you try to mix two things that won't mix, you end up making a mess. Right. That's what that's why I don't like those science experiments at my house very often. But, you know, sometimes I lay aside my pride and I'll have fun with my kids and do those things. But I'm just not like I don't like messes. Right. Well, as we come to our passage this morning, we're going to see two things in this passage that just don't mix. We're going to see two things in our passage today that just don't mix. There's lots of things in Christianity that if you try to mix them with Christianity, they don't mix. Um, they're, part of being a Christian is living a certain way, believing certain things, acting a certain way. And if you try to mix something that's non-Christian with something that Christian that's Christian, it just doesn't mix. And if you try really hard to mix something that's Christian and non-Christian, you really end up just making a mess, right? So let's read our passage this morning and let's see what it is that James says will not mix with Christianity. We're going to pick up in James chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 13. Verses 1 through 13. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 13 says this, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord 
of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing comes, also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, oh, you sit here in this good place, while you say to the other poor man, just stand over there. You sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and the heirs of the kingdom, which, has, uh, which he has promised to those who, he love, who love him? But you've dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme in the, the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin. And are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one part has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's pray. God, we want to come before you and just take a posture of humility as we stand under this text and allow it to speak to our lives and our hearts. God, we pray that we would be able to understand it and apply it to our lives. God, I pray that our church would be a church that is free of partiality and one that loves you and seeks to love others by showing that. God, we pray that you would um, just use me this morning, speak through me, just use me as a vessel, kind of remove any of my um, opinions, thoughts, personality, and just put your, your word out before the people that we can feast on it. We love you. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. So you can see the title of our message. Uh, really, the title of our message is Loving Faith. Um, just because it matches up with all the others. But really, I think a, a good title for this is Partiality and the Christian. These two things cannot mix. And that is our very first point. We're going to see this claim. What is the claim? The claim is this. Christianity and partiality don't mix. Christianity and partiality don't mix. There is different from one another as that oil and that water. Right, And no matter how much we try to mix those two things, they will not mix. Because he says it just straight out front. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying that if you're a Christian, you shouldn't practice partiality. You can't hold those two things at one time. If you're going to hold one of them, you can't hold the other at the same time. If you claim to be a Christian, there shouldn't be partiality as a regular practice in your life. So as we think about that, we've got to start to define partiality, right? So what do you mean by partiality? Because some of us are partial to things that it's, it's okay to be partial to. I'm partial to my wife, right? 
And that's completely okay. I'm partial to my kids, right? If I'm watching them play sports, I'm like, man, my son did a really good job. He may have not have done a good job, but I'm partial to him, right? We use that kind of language. That's not the kind of thing James is talking about. Partiality, this is a definition. One pastor has defined it as this. When you base your treatment of somebody on something that should not be the basis of how you treat them. That's partiality. I'm going to say that again. When you base your treatment of someone on something that should not be the basis of how you treat them. Another way to say that is when you base your attitude towards someone on something that should not be the basis of your attitude toward them. For James, we can see that what he's really talking about is basing your treatment of somebody on some kind of outside appearance, right? And he gives an example here in a moment of what that would look like um, when he um, uses this about treating somebody different if they're rich or if they're poor, if they appear that way. Another way to think through this is you can't treat someone based on superficial self-interest. You shouldn't treat somebody or act towards somebody in a certain way based on superficial and uh, superficialness and self-interest, You're not meeting somebody and thinking, what can I get from them based on my assessment of them? And this can even happen inside the church. Maybe you hear that and you're surprised to think, man, partiality can be in the church. Some of you are like, yeah, obviously partiality can be in the church. And we can have that experience. So I think if you read that verse 2, notice James has made this claim in verse 1. And then verse 2 he says... Uh, For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your what? Your assembly. Your assembly. The Greek word right there is is actually the word for synagogue, which is how you can really tell that James is a very, very early book because he refers to the Christian gathering as happening at the synagogue. So remember, Christianity comes from Judaism, and those two things didn't – there wasn't a super clean split right away. So James is saying, hey, when you guys are gathered as the church – When you're assembled and somebody walks in wearing a nice gold ring and you say, here, brother, have this nice, fine seat. And then another man walks in in shabby clothing and you say, "Just hey, there's a spot in the corner. Just stay out of the way. Right. He's saying that's happening in the church. James is speaking specifically to these people and saying, hey, this shouldn't happen in your church. This should not happen among God's people, but even specifically among Or when we meet at church. So clearly James is speaking to an an appearance on the outside, judging somebody, um, uh, treating them a certain way based on if they look rich. But I think we can take this principle of not treating somebody based on their outside appearance and we can extrapolate that out to other areas. What are some other ways we can be partial to somebody based on the exterior of them? One of those ways might be race. If we treat a person of a certain skin color a certain way and treat others a different way. Another way is beauty or attractiveness. If we see somebody who's attractive, we might treat them better as if we see somebody who's less attractive in our eyes. Maybe somebody who has education, lots of letters after their name. We might treat them a certain way if, they, if it says PhD or whatever versus if they don't have those letters after their name. Maybe their position in society might cause you to treat them differently. 
um, based on the position they hold, whether that's a public office or, uh, or something like that. Maybe even something as simple as cleanliness. Maybe you might treat somebody who's clean in your eyes different than you treat somebody who's dirty or less clean. There's lots of ways we can treat people differently based on these exterior outside things. And as we think through this, I think we've got to realize that this passage is speaking to the people who are treating other people poorly. Because we can read a passage like this and think, yeah, man, I've been treated poorly by people because of because I'm poorer than them or, or whatever. And we might think, how have I been mistreated or how has partiality worked against me? But that's not the purpose of this passage. The purpose of the passage is to speak to you who show partiality. All of us need to, as we read this, be thinking, okay, how, how have I been partial to other people, not how have other people been impartial to me? So think through that as we go through this. So this, this simple claim that Paul makes is this, that Christianity and partiality cannot mix. They do not mix, and they should never be attempted to mix. And really, when we think about it, it should be obvious to us that Christianity and partiality don't mix. That should be something clear to us. But if it's not clear to us, James gives us Lots of reasons. There's probably something more like five, six, seven reasons, but I'm going to narrow it down to three arguments against partiality. So we've seen the claim. Now let's look at the proof, the proof that these things don't mix. Three arguments against partiality. The first argument is this, which I don't have up there, so you have to listen good for this one. Partiality takes God's job. Partiality takes God's job. Look what happens in verse 4. After James is given this example of, hey, if a rich man walks in, a poor man walks in, you treat them differently. Verse 4 is the result of that. He says to them, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and became judges with evil thoughts? When you show partiality to somebody, especially based on exterior appearance, what you're doing is saying, God, can you step aside and let me be the judge of this person really quick? Let me be the one who's going to make the judgment and assessment of the value of this human being. That's what you're doing. You're taking God's job. You're saying, God, let me be the one that gives the judgment on this. And you know what? When we try to do that job, we're really bad at it. We're not very good at being judges. We're simply not good at being judges. Um, there's a, we, we can nuance a passage out to where it doesn't have any meaning, but I think it's fair to say we're called to make some judgments, right? We need to make wise decisions. We make judgments all day long. But God calls us to be careful when we're making judgments, especially like when we saw in the Sermon on the Mount, um, when Brother Paul preached in chapter 7. Hey, don't make hypocritical judgments. If there's a, a plank in your eye, don't try to be removing somebody's speck. So we have to be careful when we make judgments why? Because we're just not good at it. We're not good at it. It's like doing a job you're unqualified to do. Has anybody ever done a job that you're unqualified to do? I know I have. Um, in high school, somehow I got roped into refing Civic Center League basketball. Okay? I got roped into that. And it may, it, it's one of the bottom rungs of, of jobs that you want. Okay? Um, and I didn't like it eventually because I just wasn't good at it. I got so caught up in watching the game that I, I, 
I was horrible at calling fouls. I never called them. And I would have refs who would clearly see a foul and say, ref, that's a foul. And I'd say, yeah, it was. Why didn't they call that? Right? Because I was so wrapped up in the game. I just, I just didn't do a good job. One time in particular, um, there was this, this the, I don't remember if it should have been a blocking call or it should have been a charging call. But either way, the two boys ended, hit, they ended up on the ground and the, I didn't call anything. And neither did the other ref that was refing. And that coach on the other side was fired up. Like, I was a little scared that I would need to like run to my car afterwards. And an older gentleman came up to me after the game, me and the other ref. He was like, hey, boys, you did okay. At least you were consistent. That was his encouragement to me. At least you were consistent. I was like, well, I just wasn't qualified for that job. I didn't have the skill set that I needed. I quit playing basketball in middle school, and my mind just wasn't where it needed to be to be able to do that job. I think the same thing applies to us when we try to be judges of people especially based on appearance, because we just don't have the skill set needed to make proper judgments of people. But God does. We don't have the skill set he does. God has the ability to see through the skin, through the outside appearance, and see the heart. Remember what God said to Samuel as he was uh, selecting David and Saul? This is what Samuel, uh, God said to Samuel. Do not look at his appearance or at his height or his stature, speaking of Samuel, because I have, or speaking of uh, Saul, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees, not as man sees. Man looks at the outward, but the Lord looks at the heart. God's a way better judge than us. And when we tell him, God, please get off the seat and let me be the judge in this moment, we're not doing very good. And that's what partiality does. When you start to treat people a certain way based on, a way that you shouldn't treat them, you're saying, let me be the judge. You take God's job. Now, second, partiality contradicts God's evaluation. So first, partiality takes God's job. Second, partiality contradicts God's evaluation. Look at verse five. It says, listen, my beloved brothers. And just a side note, notice that verse one and verse five both start with beloved brothers. This is a pastor speaking to people he cares about, not, not a tyrant trying to beat people up with, with, with words, right? So hear James's heart in this. He says, listen, brothers, listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in their faith and heirs of the kingdom, which has been promised to those who love him? If we treat people who are rich, as those who have been blessed by God and God showing favor on them. And we treat people who are poor as people who are far from God and not being blessed by him and being hated by him. That's actually probably the opposite of the situation, right? If we judge people um, who are rich and think, man, they're doing what's right in the world. And we look at poor people and think they're poor because they're probably rebelling against God and not living the way they should. Our evaluation of that is actually probably the opposite of what God has evaluated. Because he says, aren't the poor who God has chosen to give great faith? Those who are poor in money are rich in faith. Similar to the Sermon on the Mount, right? Those who are poor in spirit inherit the world. There's this upside downness to God's kingdom that just goes opposite of how we would evaluate things. We want things to be kind of clear cut and easy to to see. But when we think poor people are poor 
because they're not living right and rich people are rich because they are, that's probably the opposite of what God is really doing. Oftentimes, it's not oh, 100% of the times, but it's often those who are in great need, who realize their situation. Those are the people that call out on the Lord. So really, sometimes being poor uh, in money means you get the chance to be rich in faith because you realize how much you need the Lord. And those who are rich with money oftentimes have no clue that they need the Lord because they're self-sufficient, self-dependent. So sometimes money is a curse in some sense to people. So if we try to show partiality, not only do we take God's job, we also contradict God's evaluation of the situation because he tends to exalt the lower in society and he tends to humble the higher in society. Now, third way that partiality, an argument against partiality is this, partiality violates God's law. Partiality takes God's job, contradicts God's evaluation, and violates God's law of liberty. Let's look in verses 8 through 11. I think this is like the sharpest point of the knife as far as James's argument. Okay, this is the big argument he's making. He says in verse 8, if you really fulfill the law according, uh, the royal law according to the scripture, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, you're doing good. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. So showing partiality is breaking the law of God, which makes you a lawbreaker. That's what he says. You're, you have been put into that category of a lawbreaker. He goes on to say, if you keep every part of the law, he's being exaggerative here, right? But if you, if you follow every single part of the law, but you break one little part of it, which is to show partiality, then you're a lawbreaker. You're put into the category of lawbreaker. Because he says, isn't the person who says don't murder the same one who says don't uh, commit adultery? So whether you're a murderer or you're an adulterer, you're still under that umbrella of lawbreaker, right? And I think this can sometimes rub us the wrong way um, because we think, how can I be put into the same category as evil people like Hitler or Joseph Stalin or, 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 or Timothy McVeigh? I used to get called that when I was a kid all the time. And people call me Timothy McVeigh because I was a kid during, when that happened, right? How can I be categorized with these people, Right? It's because you're not as you you probably don't sin as bad as Hitler. That's true. You probably don't sin as bad as him. His sin far outweighs your sin. But categorically, you're put into the same category. I've used this example before, but imagine all of us are lined up at the edge of the Grand Canyon and our goal is to jump across the Grand Canyon. I might jump five feet. You may jump 50 feet. But either way, we all equally fall short in the same way. Your sin may be far less than somebody evil like Hitler's, but it doesn't matter. You're still a lawbreaker. So if you're showing partiality to people, if you're treating people a certain way based on their outside appearance or based on what you can get from them, then you're a lawbreaker. That's what partiality is. It's breaking God's law because his law says this. You need to love your neighbor as yourself. Partiality is unloving. At its core, it is unloving. And I think it's unloving because of this. Really, this is how partiality is unloving. Because when you show partiality, 
right? If somebody rich walks in these doors and I treat them in a certain way, it's probably based on what I think I can get out of them for me, right? That's why we treat rich people in a certain way, right? Because we think maybe we'll benefit from their riches in some way, right? It's going to be good for me in some way. If I treat this person who has power, who has influence, who has abilities, resources, if I treat them a certain way, I get to get something from them, right? How selfish is that? It's selfishness. Christianity is about loving God and loving others as yourself. Do you want to be taken advantage of? No. Do you want people to treat you kindly just so they can get your stuff, can get your power, your influence? No, you don't want that. You should treat people the way you want to be treated. And if you're showing partiality, you're being unloving toward your brother. Not just the rich person, but also toward the poor person, right? You're saying, I can't get anything from you. Therefore, I don't need you. Set aside. Move away. And remember, think of those other areas of partiality and how you might treat somebody differently based on some kind of exterior appearance. Uh, Whether that's influence, position, power, skin color, money, whatever it is, you can treat people differently based on outward appearance. And that is a violation of God's law. Partiality is not loving. So we've seen so far, we've seen this claim that Christianity and partiality can't mix. We've seen the proof, these three arguments against partiality. And now number three, we're going to get a solution. What is the solution? It's that we behave How did I say it on this? Behave like someone who has experienced mercy. That's a good way to say it. Behave like someone who has experienced mercy. Let's notice how all this ends out. Picking up in verse uh, 12. So, when we see that word so, that means based on everything I've just said, do the following, right? So, speak and so act as those who are are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So one way to help you not show partiality, when you meet somebody and start to interact with people, you need to realize me and this person, we're going to face the same exact judgment. We're in the same seat. Imagine your, your kids, they get in a fight, right? And they come to you and they're pleading their case of why you should punish the other for what has been done, right? Maybe you, you stop and you separate them. You, you're like, okay, boys, let's just, let's just figure this out. Let's separate you. Let me find out. And you come to the verdict that they've both uh, been involved in this and they both instigated this. So you're going to punish both of them. But you don't tell them that, right? First, you go talk to boy one. You say, hey, what's wrong? What, what happened? Yada, yada, yada. Okay, well, how should I punish boy two? Well, you should do this to him because that and this. Okay, fine. Now I'm going to go talk to boy two. You talk to him, and he gives the same assessment, right? His sin isn't as good as great as his, so you need to be punishing him this way and that way and that way. Well, if you bring them together and say, boys, you both said this is the punishment that should be done for the other, so I'm going to give that punishment to both of you because you both were wrong. Does their attitude change? It does, doesn't it? You're like, wait, wait, wait. We don't have to punish that bad, right? Because when you realize you're in the same seat of judgment as the other person, you're not going to be judging them as harshly, right? It helps when we stop and act, do what James says. So speak and act like people who are going to be judged. All of us will one day stand before God 
The file cabinet of our sins will be laid bare in front of us. We'll know all the things that we've done wrong. There's probably things you've done that you don't even know about. God's going to lay those in front of you and make a judgment of you, right? All of us are going to face that. The Bible says all of us live once and we're appointed to judgment after that. But the great thing is this. He says, so speak and so act as those who are going to be judged under the what? The law of liberty. Not just the law, but the law of liberty. Remember when this book takes place in the Bible. Is this before Jesus or after Jesus? This is an after Jesus book. That means there's a big impact on the location, right? It matters where you fall on that line. James is saying you're going to be judged by the law, the law of liberty. As Christians, we're the people who realize I should be judged. I should be sentenced to eternal separation from God in hell. I should be punished for all my sins. I'm aware of those. Yet, God has been merciful to me. God has shown me mercy that I do not deserve. He has looked at me in my sinful state and said, you know what? I should punish you, but I'm going to take the punishment upon myself. That's what Jesus did. He stepped in and took your punishment and he took your place. And now you know I'm not being treated the way I should be treated. And that's a good thing. See what I'm saying? We're not treated on the basis that we're sinners if we're trusting in Jesus. So you, if you're a Christian, you need to treat other people based on a way, uh, in a way that they shouldn't be treated. Meaning you should treat them lovingly. right? You should be aware of what it's like to not deserve but be, be being shown grace. We should be the people who are the least partial who say come rich and come poor come clean and unclean it doesn't matter where you've been what you've done this week there's there's grace at the foot of the cross the ground at the foot of the cross is even it's equal there's no one higher or lower that's what we should realize so if we will realize me and this person are both going to be judged and i want to show them the mercy that god has already shown to me That is the solution to partiality. And I think another beautiful picture that we find in here is all the way back up in verse 1. What does James call Jesus? My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. The what? Lord of glory. Good night. Can you imagine calling your brother the Lord of glory? Remember, James is Jesus's brother, and he refers to him as the Lord of glory. And what did the Lord of glory do? Did he say, I'm far too clean, far too magisterial, far too powerful to ever interact with peasantly, earthly human mortals? No, he came and lived among us. The Lord of glory became like you in every way. You're about as far from Jesus as possible on the economic scale, right? Where if you if you had every dollar there was in existence, nothing would compare to the glory Jesus had in heaven. Yet he said, I'm going to go rub elbows with you. I'm going to go become like you. The Lord of glory, born in a barn, eating slop for breakfast sometimes, getting sick. Like he was like you in every way. He became like you, the Lord of glory did. He became like us. So we should follow in that footsteps, follow in his footsteps. There should be no partiality among us 
Because we've seen the one who has every right to be partial and not mix with us, but he chooses to come and be with us and be like us. That Lord of glory taking on humility and being like us. And we finish with that mercy. Have you experienced mercy? Like verse 13 says. And Jesus tells us in, in Matthew or in the Gospels, hey, if you're not gonna forgive your brother, the Lord won't forgive you. What that really means is if you're unforgiving, if, you're un, if, you, if you don't show mercy, that shows you you've never received mercy yourself. Because if you've received mercy, you show it. Church, I pray that we as a congregation, that we can be people who can say of our lives, there's no partiality here. We've got to strive against that. Because remember, the context that this takes place in is the church. That's who James is talking to. He's not saying, don't be partial out there at your workforce. That's good. You know, you, know, you should be impartial there. But he's saying in the church, in these four walls, when you gather together, don't be partial to one another. That's something we should be mindful of. As we spend time with one another, we gather with one another. There's going to be some ways where you just vibe with somebody in a certain way that you don't vibe with other people. Like you're going to get along with them. But we shouldn't treat one another partially based on some exterior things. Like what we can get from one another. Especially when we have visitors come and hang out with us. We need to treat them equally. No matter what we think of them on the outside. Realize this is a person that's valuable to God. I'm not their judge. I'm just called to love them as I want them to love me. And if we're like that, we're going to be a community that's attractive to people. They're going to want what we want or want what we have. And that's Jesus, right? That's our goal. So you can see how partiality and Christianity just don't mix. And let's not try to mix them. Let's be people who are impartial to everybody because God has been impartial to us and shown us grace and mercy when we didn't deserve it. Let's pray.